Week 4, Day 2, A Psalm of Asaph. Hi, I'm Randy Odom, and I serve here at Three Crosses as pastor to Legacy, our senior adult community. And today I'll be leading us in a look at Psalm 50, verses 7 to 15. And if you were listening yesterday, Larry showed us how the Psalms of the sons of Korah, that is Psalms 42 to 49, laid out a very important trajectory that lies at the heart of all of the Psalms. We moved from a position of serious doubts about God's goodness to a posture of outright praise. That path went through the law of the Lord and a fresh vision of the Messiah. If Psalm 49 brought us into a posture of praise and worship, Psalm 50 is going to take us one step further, speaking about acceptable worship and sacrifice in the eyes of the Lord Almighty. According to the subtitle of Psalm 50, Asaph was the author of this psalm. In 1 Chronicles 16, verses 4 to 7, Asaph is described as the chief of the Levites, who was appointed to minister before the Ark of the Lord, which makes him the perfect candidate to speak on the topic of worship, sacrifice, and praise. Much like the sons of Korah, Asaph and his brothers were to sing songs and play instruments in thanksgiving to the Lord. Interestingly, the content of Psalm 50 seems highly unlikely as a modern-day praise and worship song, Rather than a song exulting in the praise of God, in the text of Psalm 50, we see an indictment brought by God himself against his people, as well as a recalibration offered by God to his people. Both the indictment and the recalibration spotlight the importance of one's heart in service to God. Let's take a look a closer look at this psalm by looking at the text together. Psalm 50, verses 7 to 15. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Asaph begins this psalm by addressing the mindset of God's people. The indictment found in verse 8 is implicit or implied rather than explicit. God says, I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings which are ever before me. In other words, God doesn't take issue with the offerings his people are bringing to him. Rather, the fault that God finds with his people 
is with the mindset in which these offerings were made. In verse 9 he says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. In other words, God is saying, I hate to break it to you, but I don't need anything you're giving to me. I'm not asking for a handout from you as though I need it. Apparently, as God saw the offerings that his people were bringing to the temple, he perceived in them a wrong motive, a wrong mindset. They brought their offerings with the mindset that God was in need of their offerings. Nothing could have been further from the truth. This is where the psalmist offers a recalibration to God's people. Psalm 50 sets forth the premise that God owns everything, and human beings own nothing. What humans call ownership is actually stewardship. Rather than being owners of anything, we are stewards of everything. All that we have rightfully and ultimately belongs to God. As in Israel of old, so in our time today, we must continue to examine our hearts with regard to our giving to God. God is not a beggar on the street who is in need. On the contrary, as we read in verses 10 to 12, God says, Every animal in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. God needs nothing that we give to him because he already owns everything. In light of this wayward mindset and recalibration, verses 14 to 15 tell us to do three things. Number one, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Every gift that is given to the Lord should be given with an attitude of thanks that we even have anything to give. All that we give to him is ultimately a gift from him to us. It's like me giving my son Noel $10 so that he can buy a birthday gift for me. We should thank God that he has enabled us to give an offering to him and to his work. Number two, fulfill your vows to the Most High. As we look at our lives and begin to see God's generous provision to us, we respond with thankful obedience by fulfilling our promises to live for the Lord and honor Him with our lives. Fulfilling a vow is not paying a salary or a bribe. God has promised to meet all of our needs. That's Philippians 4.19. So we can, in full trust, faithfully fulfill the promises we have made to Him. Number three, call on God in times of trouble. We are the ones whose lives are often in a jam, not God. We need to be rescued, not God. Nothing we give to God is to get him out of a jam. On the contrary, we sacrifice to the Lord out of gratefulness for his rescuing us in times of trouble. God wants us to always have the rightful perspective that we are the ones in need and he is the one who meets our needs. In the 25 years that my wife Crystal and I have been married, we have made it a practice, whenever either of us gets a new job, to always give the entirety of our first month's salary to the Lord. Do we do this because God requires it? No. Because God needs it? 
Certainly not. Because we believe we can bribe him into blessing us? God forbid. We fulfill this promise to the Lord because for the 25 years of our marriage, we have seen him faithfully and abundantly meet our needs. We know that God does not need our money. It's already his. However, out of love, thanks, and obedience to him, we fulfill our vows. Psalm 50 concludes with this beautiful promise in verse 23. To those who sacrifice thank offerings, to honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. God doesn't need anything I give to him. I am the one who is in utter need of his provision for me. When I acknowledge this with an attitude of thanks to God for meeting my needs far beyond what I could ask or imagine, and when I bring my offering to him obediently and with thanks for his generosity toward me, I position myself for his smile of acceptance and further blessing. Therefore, in the act of sacrificial giving, we acknowledge that God holds all things in his hands, even in our darkest seasons. Offerings can be a beautiful and intentional way to express that God is still in control over all things. Thank you, Lord, for showing me the gift of your salvation given in the person of your son, Jesus. And here's a worship challenge for you. When it comes to worship in terms of sacrifice and sacrificial giving, what are some things that God is calling you to let go of and offer to Him.